Yeah, it's a huge range of different ways that we get inspiration to come up with stuff. I did mention we do about 200 to 300 new items a year, which is crazy. I mean, that's basically one new item every single day for the working days of the year. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Mid Money. Being that this is the last episode of 2021, I wanted to bring everyone an all-star related Christmas episode to everyone. Our guest today has many years of experience working for one of the most well-known Christmas related companies in the whole world and is responsible for helping manage the product development. Now, if that wasn't enough, he also recently launched a food catering company called Venture. And let me tell you something, after this podcast, please go visit their Facebook page. Him and the Venture team have created some of the best looking food that I've seen in a while. And to be quite honest, while I only had breakfast about an hour or two ago, it's already making me hungry again. So on today's show, we invite Dietrich Bronner on the podcast, where we discuss his involvement with Bronner's, how the company is still succeeding and balancing a catalog business with their recent growth in e-commerce, and the inspiration behind starting his food catering company. So welcome, Dietrich, to Mint Money. Hey, thank you so much. I'm really honored to talk with all you guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And like we were talking about prior to the podcast, I know this is your busy season. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I can only imagine it's quite busy down there during this time of year. I'm honored to have like an hour long break with you. So thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get started. So what was the thought process behind joining the family business? Was this something that you've always wanted to do? And then do you mind also telling the listeners a little bit about your current role as a product development manager? Sure, absolutely. So I am the first and the oldest of a third generation. So I kind of felt it was always in the cards to come back to the business. I basically started working here when I was 10. And I worked through all the different departments in the whole business to learn how the business functions from every different angle. And that's actually how I got my first job after college, which was starting at the Temple Theater in Saginaw. The Shaheens brought me in to get that going because they knew that I know how a business functions from picking up the trash to running the finances, to the marketing, to getting people in to you name it. You know, I went through every gamut of the game to learn all of that and get that under my belt. And I went to school for finance just to get a good, strong business background. And that really paid off. So the Shaheens got me in to start up the Temple Theater, which was a crazy endeavor. I was 21, 22 and $7 million project. And when the temple opened, the theater opened, we could have 4,000 people in the building when I was 21, 22, responsible for all those people. But with my background at Bronner's here, I was familiar with that and used to it. So that was a really fun first job. And I was honored to do that for seven, eight years. Every other job I've had and every other thing I've done has been a startup, basically. So I started up the Temple Theater. I started the market in town. I started up the Michigan Farmers Market Association, the Arts Association in town. So everything I've done so far has been a startup to that point. And then when I came back to Bronner's, that was actually the first organization that I joined that had already been established. So that was a different change of pace because everything was established. I didn't have to set new precedents, new procedures. Everything was already done. I wasn't laying the groundwork from the bottom up for the first time. I was just kind of jumping along the train and going. So 
I knew how the whole business functioned, being part of the family. And it was just hop on the train and get going. So I do two things here at Bronner's. I do product development and then our catalog. So I produce the catalog. We mail about 3 million catalogs a year. There's about a thousand items in it. I choose the items, I buy them, I lay them out in the catalog. So it tells a nice story as you flip through the pages. And then while I'm producing the catalog for product development, I see what items we don't have or what items are not available from retailers. And we fill in the gaps from there. So we create probably 200 to 300 different items each year, new items that we design ourselves and fill in the gaps that we don't have, be it video games, dinosaurs, or princesses, or ballerinas for girls, or memorials for our loved ones that have gone on further. Whatever we see that we don't have or whatever's not available on the outside market, we produce ourselves. And it's a real honor to do that. And when you're out on the floor and hearing people react to items that they see, it's just a real reward to kind of like when I'm doing my cooking, when people enjoy what they are served and at the store, when they see what they find, it's a real honor to hear their reactions and how delighted they are. So that's the fuel that keeps me going. From what you were mentioning earlier for helping manage all those different projects, different things going on at the Temple Theater to what you do now, how do you try and manage all that? It sounds like you've had that skill for a long time from the get-go from helping yourself from when you were working at Bronner's. I mean, how did you go about developing the skill? It's totally a get up and go thing. I do marathons. I'm extremely active. The more that I am outside and taking a five-minute break, walking around, that's when I come up with my menus, new ideas, whatever, being involved with the community, that interaction. The more I'm involved, the more energy I get. So I think that's a huge part of the community and partnerships with people, relationships. The more that you're involved, the more energy you get back from everybody. Sure, I could absolutely see it. And so how do you come up with all these new products throughout the year? I know in the prior answer, you mentioned a little bit on some of the product development side, but what's that idea process like? Do you just look at engage what people may be finding popular, maybe that's on social media, or you maybe do a bespoke survey amongst people who are in your stores? I guess, what's that thought process look like? Yeah, it's a huge range of different ways that we get inspiration to come up with stuff. I did mention we do about 200 to 300 new items a year, which is crazy. I mean, that's basically one new item every single day for the working days of the year. So we have a design committee and I'm in charge of it. So I will go to buying shows and see what they have, see what they don't have. What they don't have, we'll, we will create ourselves. We try to stay ahead of trends. We see the trends and follow them too. But I like to be ahead of them so that we can be a leader and have people follow us. We do have a slightly older demographic that is our mainstay, but I really want to get us more involved with the younger crowd in terms of following us and word of mouth and spreading our name along. So with me being in charge of that the last 10 years, we've done more crazier stuff like aliens and narwhals and unicorns and fun stuff. And they've been huge sellers. So design team, they've been around a bit, but once I came in and proposed those things and then they see the sales record, they're like, okay, yeah, we should go in that direction. Yeah. So we see what's not out there, we create it, we see the trends that are out there and we follow them, we create our own spin on things. And we do listen to our customers and our staff. They have suggestions that we definitely pay attention to. And when I'm laying out the catalog, again, I'll see those holes that we don't have a certain fit for and we'll create those items. We can probably have them done within a month or six months before this catalog goes out in the fall. So yeah, it's a real fun, creative thing. I'm an artist, I'm a creative, but I'm also an analytical person. So it's just a really good fit for me. Oh, very special. That's a phenomenal answer. And so I could also imagine that Bronner's is a very seasonal business with a lot of their business being conducted in the last few months of the year. And so does this make hiring employees challenging? And then what practices does Bronner's have to help hire all these different seasonal workers? 
that is probably our biggest challenge. <laughs> we are extremely seasonal. We start picking up employees, hiring on new ones in the summer. And that doesn't stop until January three or four, basically. We're constantly hiring throughout the entire season. COVID has obviously been a big challenge, but our biggest challenge in terms of hiring is actually finding people to pen or paint or personalize our ornaments and to be able to find people that can paint or pen or personalize stuff neatly well enough. That's our biggest challenge and our biggest struggle. But the smiles and delight that we see on people's faces once they get their personalized ornament, that's the biggest deal for us. They love it. Going back a little bit and talking about that catalog, In 2021, many people probably don't expect that catalogs aren't around anymore or maybe not doing as well with a lot of business being shifted to online. However, Bronner's, it seems pretty unique given that you guys have a large online and catalog presence. And so how have you been able to help keep that catalog popular? We actually got up to about 4 million catalogs at one point. We changed the distribution every year, how many we print and mail out. At 4 million, we were just buying the sale, basically. That was a bit too many for us. So 3 million, that's our sweet spot. And people absolutely love the catalog. We're in a digital age, but they absolutely love to feel something in their hands. They want to feel something physical, turn the page, look at the items. They don't want to have to click a thousand clicks just to see the different items that we have. We do have an online catalog, which is exactly the same thing, but having something physical in your hands, it's basically an advertisement too. So a lot of people get their catalogs, they look through it, and then they go online. So that's their incentive to go online and order online, which works out very well for us. We have only so many catalog operators, but if they can go online and place their order from the catalog, that's great. When it comes in the mail, the catalog is one of how many things that people get in the mail every day. And when they get it, it needs to be very eye-catching. The content needs to be very appealing. So actually, my father shoots all of the photos for every single picture in the catalog. And the biggest thing when it comes in the mail is looking at that cover and making sure the cover of the catalog pops and really catches people's eyes. So we have lots of meetings on designing the cover, making sure it gets just right. We have three different covers and different contents in the catalog. So there's six different drops right now where the catalog goes out in the fall. And it's just a huge strategy of how to make sure that people get it when they want it and how they want it. So shifting topics now to food, I understand that you're a very successful chef and own a food company called Venture where you create dining experiences for people. And so what was the inspiration for you behind founding the company? And then is cooking a hobby that you've always had? Yeah, thank you so much. I love to cook. It's absolutely in my blood. I like to say I don't really cook food. I like to cook experiences. I've cooked since I was very young, eight, 10 years old, whatever, seven years old. And I never really wanted to grow up and make food in a restaurant and doing the exact same thing every day and night. I definitely need more creative freedom than that. So since starting Venture and before, I've worked with a lot of chefs and they've always been so energized to come in and create something totally brand new, which is what I do. And the guests, the customers love it so much. So Venture is basically a completely open platform to do whatever we want to do. My girlfriend, she's my incredible pastry chef and organizer. I'm the one who's off the charts, the drive and the dreamer and the creator and the chef. And I mean, I can do desserts and I think I've done like 500 ice creams and cakes and cheesecakes. She's the organizer and pastry chef. So that frees me up to do more of the savory cooking. Then we'll pull in chefs as we need per demand. And again, they just love to join us and be free to go off the charts and go out of the norm. And when we bring in other people, we all feed off of each other's energy. So it's a huge joy and a huge passion. And again, Venture is a completely open platform. We'll do catering, we'll do pop-ups, we'll do regular service anywhere we can. 
a lot of different caterings around bed and breakfast lately for showers, baby showers, wedding showers, and other events. But yeah, it's just a huge honor to cook for people and create that relationship and have them look back on it. Really cool. And so do you have a favorite dish that you like to eat and make? And then what is one food dish that you'd recommend to listeners that people would think would be complex, but might be simpler to make than what people would expect? I think asking a chef what their favorite food to cook is like the worst question, (laughs) but we always oblige by answering it. And for me to say what I love to cook, basically anything I haven't done before. So for me, my favorite cooking is climbing the mountaintop and looking over that mountain and see what lays beyond. It's always a huge rush, an adventure and an exploration and a challenge. But yeah, anything I haven't cooked before, that's my favorite. I try to go light on heavy stuff. So I like to really focus my sauces and other garnishes and stuff on produce and whatnot. I keep it light. My chef name is DGB or Dietrich Garnish Browner because I like my garnishes so much. People get annoyed when they're helping me because I have so many garnishes. They're like, can we send it? I'm like, no, you can't send it yet. It needs toasted coconut on the ravioli or something like that. I don't like to do fewer than seven courses. Honestly, I like to do 12 to 15 course menus. I've done up to 22 course menus and those are the most nerve wracking, but my favorite to pull off. Basically taking people to where they haven't been. That's a journey that I do through food and they just love it so much. And that's a real honor for that. So again, cooking experiences is definitely my forte. We did the Harry Potter dinners at the Frankenmuth Farmer's Market and the Game of Thrones dinners. I think we did eight or 10 of each of those. They were all sold out. People came from like four hours away, which was crazy to see that and a huge fun. We carved stuff table side. We had exploding drinks that foamed up and fizzed up. We had color changing drinks. We had flaming soup that we on fire. We really like our friend smoke. We had smoking dishes, a perfume in the room with smoke, rosemary smoke, pine smoke. I served a lot of stuff on burning logs that get extinguished table side. Game dinners, we turned a whole dinner of seven courses into board games from like Twister to Checkers to Chess to Candyland and other stuff. And then we did the math dinner, did the logic dinner, life lessons. No crying about spilled milk is a dessert with a dessert is actually spilling out of the tipped over wine glass. It's a white custard that looks like milk spilled on the plate. So anything that takes the food beyond the food, that's my game. That's my gig. That's really cool. I really do appreciate going into such great depth about all those different things. So what are your plans for the future of venture? Would you ever consider opening up a restaurant and maybe the restaurant wouldn't have a set menu, maybe a menu that changed daily or weekly? Would that ever be in the cards? Yeah, we're definitely hoping for that. COVID kind of shut down the whole edible experience offerings that we were doing beforehand, just with public events. So since then, we've been doing some crazy pizzas at the farmer's market. And then since then, a bunch more catering. We are looking for different venues where we can pull this stuff off going through COVID, hopefully we can start things back up and find the right venue. Ventures are completely open table, as I mentioned. We can pull in chefs as we need. I have dozens and dozens of menus on my sleeve. We would like to do less catering, but our catering is an honor. We don't have any menus when we do meet with our catering guests. So we meet with them and then they're like, what do you have? I'm like, we have whatever you want. (laughs) They feel like they created the menu, which is our biggest goal. We want them to have it their most special day whenever we do something for them. So when they do that, they're so excited and honored and they enjoy it so much more, which is our main goal. And so people will get married, they'll have a baby and whatever, and we'll cook for it. And they're like, oh my gosh, the food was so good and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, okay, you just got married. So don't forget that. (laughs) But yeah, so hopefully we'll keep moving forward and we're still looking for spots for something more permanent. 
That's some really exciting news. Appreciate you touching on that. And so now time for our signature question. So at TriStar, while as a firm, we provide comprehensive wealth management services to our clients. At the center of all that are relationships. Building genuine relationships is something that we talk about every day. And I'm sure that you find relationships as a key part to being a part of the community and at Bronner's and Venture. So can you talk about that and maybe share some examples you've experienced firsthand with regards to the importance of building relationships within your own career? Okay. Yeah. This might sound a bit offensive or standoffish, but if there's not a relationship, I don't want a part of it. Relationships are everything. If there's no connection business-wise, cooking-wise, volunteer-wise, whatever, I don't want a part of it. That's completely useless if there's no relationship. Relationships are a two-way street. It's a mutual agreement. Both sides need to be fair and honest and work together to provide what each other needs. And without a face, without a connection, that's just absolutely key. So with Bronner's, I don't need, well, I guess my name is on the catalog, but I don't need my first name on it. But I cook with my chefs. Every menu, I put every person's name on the menu from the servers to the co-chefs that I work with to the dishwasher. Everybody's key in making that event happen and making it so special and recognizing who helps out when and where and just having that connection. There's just no other substitute for that. So with my suppliers at Bronner's, And my networks as a chef, relationships, they provide accountability, trust, and faith. And, you know, you can depend on each other. So like when I order ornaments at work, the companies will trust that I pay the bill. And of course we will. And I trust that they provide quality products. And we're artists and we're working on designs, but they're the actual ones that execute them. All that's built on relationships where people trust each other and they know they can come through. And yeah, relationship is key. Without relationship, there's nothing. So without it, I don't want to sign up. Well, so special. I really appreciate you answering that. Just such a beautiful, beautiful answer. And so for those people who want to learn more about yourself or venture, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? Yeah, of course. Bronner's easy to find. That's our website or phone or visit in person, ideally during the week, not the weekends (laughs) right now. Sign up for our catalog as well. That's also online. But for venture, Facebook is basically our best bet. Venture Culinary is our Facebook page. We're taking bookings right now already through summer. So we're trying to keep up with consults and everything. We've just been crazy busy and it's a huge honor. And we're definitely growing. We appreciate everybody's support and we're not the norm. Nothing comes out of a box when we cook. A lot of caterers, you know, do like the instant mashed potato flakes, whatever, which I've never had or never wanted to in my life, but everything's fresh and everything's prepared as soon as it can be to service and give us a ring via our Facebook page. 989-574-0657 is my girlfriend's number. She's the organizer and she's the one that out her venture would not be. So I was looking for names for the company and I think I went through like 80 different names and venture just seemed the most open platform, you know, open table that we could have pure creative freedom with. And actually I came up with it in a 22 mile run right by my grandfather's grave. He passed away in 2008. So it was on a long run and suddenly that name came to me. So we're honored and blessed to run with venture and I appreciate the honor talking with you too. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. And thank you again, everyone, for listening to another episode in Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Dietrich. Blessings, Tip. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. <laughs>